Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. What's up, everybody? I am back from vacation. I've actually been back a few days, but uh, you know this is my first episode since the vacation. Feeling good, feeling rejuvenated. Um, I don't like like I said when I left. Like it's always a mad rush of craziness at work when I'm getting ready to leave on vacation, and I got everything done. I was feeling good. I relaxed for a few days, came back, and kind of just had to dive head first back into the craziness. And so it's not quite as bad as it was when I left. Luckily, um, kind of had it all taken care of, but <clears throat> it's, it's always just, it's just, it's never fun to come back. Let's just be honest. And so had a great trip. Uh, my family and I, my whole extended family went, uh, skiing in Red River, New Mexico, had a great time in the snow. Um, it was great. The weather was great. It like little chilly, obviously, because you're in the mountains, but not terrible, really. Uh, we actually got hot a couple days when we were skiing. The last day we were there, we got a couple inches of fresh snow. So great vacation. Um, most importantly, I saw some elk. That's what I, you know, anytime I go to the mountains, I got to keep my eye out. <clears throat> and uh, saw one little group of elk. Um, when we were driving home, uh, we saw plenty of antelope, like tons. Uh, I, like I knew there was big groups of antelope and I don't know if maybe it's a thing in the winter that they group up. I'm honestly not sure, but we saw some huge groups of antelope and, uh, had been keeping my eye out for deer the whole time for mule deer. Um, didn't see any until we actually crossed over into the panhandle of Texas and just outside of Amarillo, my wife actually spotted the first two. She spotted two does and, uh, I saw them. I was like, man, those were mule deer. They weren't whitetail. And, uh, so then I had my, you know, had my radar on and, and was really keeping an eye out and uh, a little couple miles down the road, I saw a pretty nice buck, um, pretty nice mule deer buck. And so again, that was, you know, on the Texas side, just West of Amarillo. So that was cool. I know it's kind of weird, but for me, like part of the fun of going on vacation and going to new places is seeing critters that I don't get to see all the time. So that was also great. Saw some critters and, uh, and yeah, now I'm back back to the work grind. Um, but Hey, I'm back here with you guys also. And that's always a good thing. So one other kind of cool thing happened while we were gone, actually. Um, so my brother was, uh, afraid that we had been losing some calves to coyotes. And, uh, I think I told you guys, I was trying to do some coyote hunting a few weeks ago. That was before my brother was afraid we were losing some, like I was just going to go to go. Um, he called me like that week, I think, and was like, hey, like we really need to get after these things. He said he saw like four or five in one pasture where they were calving one morning. And so uh, we knew we were leaving on vacation, but I have a, a good buddy of mine who is a coyote killing machine. And so I gave him a call and him, one of our mutual buddies, uh, ran out there on Saturday 
And they ended up calling in and killing eight coyotes on our place uh, in one day, uh, which is a lot for like, you know, our place is not that big. Uh, And they actually, I think they had three that they couldn't get a shot on because they were in the cows and stuff, or one of them was close by and took off running. But so yeah, they killed eight and there are obviously more out there. Uh, One thing I was pretty surprised with was they didn't call in any bobcats uh, because I've seen quite a few bobcats out there. Um, But anyway, yeah, so they killed some coyotes. So that's awesome. Good for the cows, good for the deer, good for the turkeys. Uh, this place, um, my brother's place, I have, man, I think I've gotten like maybe two trail cam photos of turkeys ever. Uh, not like our other place where we were kind of above average for, you know, the southeastern part of Oklahoma. This place, we're kind of par for the course for southeastern Oklahoma. Just not a lot of turkeys. And so that's one thing I'm working on. And that's actually kind of a good segue into what I'm going to be doing, uh, not this coming weekend. This coming weekend, I'll be hanging out with my wife. And honestly, we're just trying to relax and kind of uh, kind of uh, recuperate from the vacation, vacation and all the craziness. But the following weekend, uh, I'm going to be headed out to the ranch and I'm going to be putting to practice some of the things we learned from Adam last week. Um, you know, we talked about the terrain. We talked about, uh, you know, that saddle I've been struggling with. He gave me a bunch of pointers that I'm going to uh, put into practice. I hope you guys learned from that also. Uh, you know, I wasn't just doing that for myself. Uh, I think there was a lot of practical application there for, for a lot of people. And so, so yeah, I'm going to be uh, cutting in some bedding areas like he was talking about. Um, and, and also just exploring some more. I want to do some boots on the ground type scouting in there. Um, I've, I've done it in the past, obviously, but I just, man, I just really haven't like combed this property like I have my last one and just really learned all the ins and outs of it. And so, um, obviously that's not something you want to go do all the time, but since I'm going to be kind of disturbing it to improve it anyway, you know, I want to get some boots on the ground, do some scouting. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to be doing that. And then I'm also going to be kind of splitting the weekend between habitat work and finally getting out there and doing some fishing, which kind of brings us into today's podcast, but I'm not quite there yet. (laughs) I'm still going to talk about uh, this coming weekend or not so this coming weekend, but some other fun things that have been going on. One, I've just been getting a huge itch to go fishing. Uh, but two, something kind of exciting. If y'all have kept up with me on social media, you might've seen some little hints of this. I just today purchased and picked up my brand new fish finder and so i've been just using the one that came with the boat when i bought it and it is just not a very nice one like i said you know it's not a true fishing boat it's a fishing ski so that you know me and my wife can both enjoy it uh it came with a little uh, small lawrence fish finder just pretty cheap not very nice uh and so i've decided to upgrade it and uh i found you know did a bunch of research and uh, kind of found one in my budget. I actually found it on sale and ended up getting a Lowrance Elite TI27, I think is the whole deal. So seven inch screen. Uh, so not massive, not small, definitely a little upgrade from what I have. And uh, and just the, the technology in the model is a huge upgrade from what I have. Like uh, the, the transducer that I'm using right now is about two inches. This transducer is like seven or eight inches long. Like, I mean, it just way, way more capable. I mean, honestly, like probably more than I need (laughs) if I'm being completely honest and definitely more than I know how to use. And so, uh, it's funny. I've switched from, uh, watching like how to fish YouTube videos to how to use a fish finder videos, because I don't even like this thing is way, way beyond what I can do. So very excited for it though. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to break it in and head out to broken bow lake um, you know, lots of deep water, lots of rock piles, lots of structure. 
And so I think that's just a good lake to go test it on. So I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a little habitat work. Uh, I'm going to fish Broken Bow and uh, also a little scary lake to try it out on as I'm thinking through it. Lots of rocks. But anyway, I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, I'm going to try to catch some, you know, pre-spawn bass, some crappie, walleye, whatever, you know, bites the hook. That's what I'm going to try to catch. So very excited for that. And, uh, and that is a great segue into this week's episode. This week, I'm talking to Alex Epperson, and some of you may know him better as Oklahoma's Worst Angler. <laughs> that's, his, uh, that's his Instagram and social media handle, uh, also his YouTube channel. Alex is a great guy. He is a husband. He's a father. He's a vet. Um, just a really, really cool guy, and he is very passionate about fishing, and so we had a great conversation. Um, I really wanted to kind of focus on the spawn because that's just kind of what's coming up and and what everybody's kind of getting ready for, Uh, and Alex, you know, he'll tell you that he's not the end-all, be-all on the spawn, but he's a passionate, passionate fisherman, and I learned a whole lot from him on this topic, and so I think you guys will too. Um, so yeah, we have a great conversation. Um, I'm telling you guys, he's a great guy. Please go support him and his channels. Um, but yeah, so we have a great talk. We, Like I said, we, we focus mostly on the spawn, and I've been wanting to get some more fishing content for you guys, and so this is uh, the first of hopefully many fishing episodes that we have coming down the pipe. And so, yeah, I'm going to quit jawing and jammering. I'm going to let us get into the real episode. And so, with all that being said, here is my episode with Alex Epperson, a.k.a. Oklahoma's Worst Angler. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Today, I'm talking to Alex Epperson. How you doing, Alex? Good. How you doing, John? I'm doing just fine. It's a little chilly today, a little windy, but uh, other than that, I'm doing pretty good. Um, Alex, real quick before we uh, you know jump off the deep end, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do, and all those fun facts? Okay, well, I uh, well, YouTube, mm-hmm. fish on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, Oklahoma's worst angler. I got the name, actually named myself that <laughs> uh, when I started fishing again. Uh-huh. Uh, what a lot of people, a lot of people are kind of finding out lately. I mean, there's a lot of people that you know, kind of my day one subscribers that know my story, but, um, fishing in YouTube actually pulled me out of, uh, alcoholism. Mm. So it's, uh, it's something I've got a real passion for. <clears throat> Always had a passion for fishing, kind of grew up fishing. Mm. Um, my daddy, he didn't know much about bass fishing. He doesn't know much about bass fishing. So, you know, I grew up throwing worms and bobbers and fishing for bluegill mm-hmm. like most people do mm-hmm. when they first start out fishing and that's what i did that's what kind of gave me my passion for it and then i got back into it and you know i've always had a passion for photography and videography and i just you know i saw the uh the googans mm-hmm. you know the googans kind of pulled me in like i think a lot of people you know that are mm-hmm. newer youtubers um you know, I was kind of enamored with the uh, the vlog style um, of YouTube before I found them. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of research. I wanted to, I wanted to have a vlog, but I never had like a a story mm-hmm. to tell. So you know, I did a lot of research on you know just video work because I said, okay, well, you know, if I can't vlog, I can do videos mm-hmm. and I can learn photography. And when submission came back around and pulled me out of that i just said you know what this is what i'm gonna do and mm-hmm. jumped in full force and been going 
strong since probably about 2019. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I think you might find that I can give you a, a run for your money on the worst fisherman side. Uh, so growing up, you know, <laughs> I enjoyed fishing, um, but I, just for whatever reason, I always fished like farm ponds, you know, little private ponds or stock tanks, mm-hmm. whatever it was. And, you know, I thought I knew how to fish. I thought I was decent at it and stuff. And then uh, last year I made the mistake of buying a boat and getting out there on the big water, and I quickly found out that I know jack squat about fishing. <laughs> and so I, uh, it is a whole movie. It is, you know, like just kind of for co- comparison, I feel like I've been hunting in a high fence ranch all this time, and then all of a sudden I decide yeah. to like go out and hunt public land, and it's just way harder <laughs> than I ever imagined. And so that's that's my fishing oh, story. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I I gave myself this name because there was a day that you know we're out there beating the banks and i was my buddy john uh he's got a channel it's called oki outdoor adventures i always plug him because he is my day one mm-hmm. and uh you know he we were out there fishing and i was missing fish left and right and i was like dude i've got to be the worst fisherman in oklahoma mm-hmm. or like in the united states or something like that and then it just kind of dawned on me i was like that's it um that's what i'm gonna name myself mm-hmm. i'm gonna name myself oklahoma's worst angler mm-hmm. and then he he coined the whole OWA thing. I mean, OWA has stuck ever since. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, I will always, I'll keep this name rocking. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if I ever get good or not, I will always keep this name. Mm-hmm. Own it. Own it. Yep. Awesome. Well, cool, man. It's uh, nice to meet you. Nice to get to know you a little bit. And uh, I'm excited for our conversation today. So uh, if it's all right with you and, you know, who knows where we'll end up. But uh, I'd like to focus maybe a little bit on the spawn just because that's kind of what's upcoming. You know, I I like to try to get folks, uh, you know, something kind of in advance so they can be preparing for what's coming on. And so so real quick, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, in, in your own words... Uh, kind of two questions together. First, just what is the spawn? I feel like this is a term that people hear all the time, but what is the spawn and kind of vaguely when is the spawn? Oh, now (laughs) what the spawn is, Mm -hmm. I mean, to just put it simple, Mm -hmm. it's when you've got, you know, bass that lock up into pairs and make babies, Mm -hmm. you know, but they will, you know, the males will go in first Mm -hmm. and, you know, they'll start saying or not really saying but they'll you know, find a spot to make a bed and females will come in and saying um when it comes to the whole reproduction and all that i'm not the most wise yeah. i i'm never i've never claimed to be the most wise on it mm-hmm. but you know they're going to come up shallow and a spawn can be it can be one of the toughest times to fish mm-hmm. in my opinion mm-hmm. it can be one of the most uh frustrating times at least to catch those females because those males are so territorial that a lot of the time you know you catch one off the bed you're catching the male Mm -hmm. and the male is there to protect the bed protect the female keep everything away from them and then you know post spawn you got fry garters you know that's where the males hang back and guard their fry but spawn is spawn is that now when is the spawn that is uh Spawn has been funky the last year, mm-hmm. last two years, really. You know, we've had some really weird weather. Um, you know, we've had, like you said, you know, today is cold. It's mm-hmm. cold down there, but two days ago, it was 60 degrees. Mm-hmm. And then tonight is dropping down into the 20s. Mm-hmm. And 
it's uh it's tough to really know when these fish are going to spawn they're going to go off of you know their biological or their yeah biological clock mm-hmm. but you know water temp plays a lot to do with it too but you know there's going to i think it's going to be another late spawn hmm. i really think it's going to be another late one um i think these fish are probably going to spawn in may all the way up to june hmm. depending on the body of water gotcha yeah i mean, saw that a lot last year you know with just again with the weird the weird air temps the weird just climate changes that we've had you mm-hmm. know this winter has not been this winter was not cold at yeah, all i right. mean it, it really turned the fall transition on its head mm-hmm. so it's uh it's tough to say when it is um the best signs for telling when you know the fish are spawning in your body of water is you know if you're out there walking the bank or you're cruising the bank in the boat and you know you start seeing those kind of bald spots mm-hmm. up shallow that's where they're starting to make those beds at mm-hmm. but i mean it is it's really tough to say when yeah right now mm-hmm. and you know the like right about now we'd be looking at pre-spawn mm-hmm. and a lot of these fish haven't even you know gotten to their full winter feed mm. some have some haven't mm-hmm. you know i mean i caught i caught a fish um probably three weeks back out of the lake that you know was from what i could tell i mean it was full full on wintertime feed up mm-hmm. and this fish that i caught was i mean he looked post-spawn. He was paper thin, hmm. and it's like, you know, he just didn't get the memo mm-hmm. that it's time to feed up. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're dealing with a, a lot of different stuff than we're normally used to seeing as far as fishing goes. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be tough. Yeah. But, you know, I say, I say spawn can be one of the most frustrating times. It can also be one of the most, fun times too and it depends mm-hmm. on your style of fishing mm-hmm. and if you do it for the challenge i like the challenge i like the challenge of you know trying to trying to you know trick that female into getting you know fired up so much to where she wants to come and eat mm-hmm. but yeah spawn man it's just uh i i really wish that i had a clear concise answer when it comes to that but you know talking about um, when it can be, you know, some of the most fun is if you like the challenge, you know, tricking that female into eating, you know, it's, it's almost like you have to catch that male and, you know, or aggravate that male enough to where, you know, he's coming off of that bed, he's chasing the bait away. And essentially what you're trying to do is get that female so frustrated with him that he's not doing his job mm-hmm. to where she feels that she has to do it. She has to take <laughs> over. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's where that's where it can get fun. Yeah, yeah. Now, real quick, before we get too far, because I, I feel you, I feel you heating up, and so I got to pull you back just a little bit. <laughs> um, so, you know, we we talked about a little bit about you know kind of when it is and what it is and stuff. Um, you know, it's, all right. So now we're set to actually go fishing. So right off the bat, what are you kind of looking for? Like, where are you headed to? What's the you know? Are you looking for a certain topography structure? Basically, where should pe- people be looking for these fish? I want to find those flats. I mm-hmm. want to find the flats. I want to find, you know, um, back in Creek mouths. Um, essentially what we're looking for is, you know, 
pre-spawn, those fish are going to start moving up, you know, so they're going to kind of come out of the deep, come out of their winter haunts. Um, and I was fortunate enough to learn a lot from Mark Rose just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I film, you know, my channel, but I also film for uh, John Soka, and mm-hmm. he fishes the MPFL, and now he's fishing the Opens this year as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark Rose came in, and we just kind of decided to have a off-the-cuff conversation, mm-hmm. and Mark was talking a lot, and, you know, he kind of said something that I've always kind of assumed, and and when he confirmed it, it made me feel even better. Uh-huh. And um, like he said that these fish, they will not leave. They normally won't leave where they're spawning, like to go out to the winter haunt, like their winter mm-hmm. feed time. They won't go far from where they spawn at. Hmm. So, you know, you're out there and you're catching fish, you know, out in a deep hole. And, you know, you're scanning around and realize that, you know, there is a big hump that comes up into a flat. Mm-hmm. Most of the time those fish are staying right around there and they're going to be moving up. They're going to want to spawn in the shallow where mm-hmm. it's, you know, going to get plenty of sunlight. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking for flat. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for, you know, access, you know, to deep water. Um, easy access, rather. Mm-hmm the back of the mouth, the back of the creek mouths. Um, you know, I fish a lot of small water. I have a very small boat mm-hmm. myself. I mean, it's only like 15 and a half foot. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's what I'm looking for. I, you know, I grew up a bank fisherman. I started this whole fishing thing again as a bank fisherman. Mm-hmm. So I've got love for the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, just recently, you know, I've been doing a whole lot more offshore fishing. So going back and beating the banks, and you know what you're looking for like i said is those kind of those lighter spots in the water Mm -hmm. you know where they've been sanding where they've kind of been clearing stuff off Mm um you're going to look for you know those fish that you're most likely going to see a male that is circling around one certain area Mm -hmm. a lot of time you won't see the female at first you're going to see the male because you know there's so low camouflage Mm -hmm. that when those males are moving around you'll catch glimpses of them so you just got to kind of sit back and watch. I've always been a big proponent of reading the water, mm-hmm. read the water and just sit and look, you know, get yourself some good polarized sunglasses. So you can really kind of cut down that glare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and even if you got dirty water, you're going to be able to kind of, you're, you'll be able to see the clearer spots, but it does take a trained eye. It takes a while mm-hmm. to really find it. Um, yeah. First time that I really fished the spawn was with a buddy of mine and he's been fishing his whole life. And he was sitting there pointing out, he's like, oh, there's a bed right there. There's a bed right there. I was like, what are you looking at? (laughs) I can't see that. Uh And then he really started explaining to me what to look for. And that's a big thing that I try and tell people because I'm not an expert at spawn. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I never claim to be and I won't claim to be. Mm -hmm. But, you know, do the research and find out, you know, those little differences in the water and, you know, on the ground, under the water to look for those little lighter spots, mm-hmm. um, disturbances, you know, in rocks, if you're dealing with that, sand, grass. Grass is a lot easier, I think, because you're mm-hmm. going to find bald spots there. Mm-hmm. So, Gotcha, gotcha. What kind of depth are you talking here? I mean, you know, will they go as deep as five feet? Or are they going to be three and up? What about that? 
I think it really depends on the water. Mm-hmm. It depends on the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, normally I'm seeing them between two, two to five foot. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I can really tell mm-hmm. depending on the water clarity as well. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. What about, uh, like... Uh, you kind of mentioned grass earlier. Like, if you got a real rocky lake versus a you know sandy bottom lake, is that going to make a big difference? That's, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, and you know, like me personally, like I I love grass lakes. I fish a mm-hmm. lot of grass lakes. Gotcha. Um, that's that's what I know. That's what I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know, you know, in the sand, it's going to be. You know, it's kind of like just echoing what I said. It's going to be, you know, you're going to see that little bit of a clear spot on the on the ground, you mm-hmm. know, in the, in the water. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Sounds weird talking about that. You know, like <laughs> the ground is going to be a little bit lighter. It's going to be a little bit smoother. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're talking about in the water, right? Right. Uh, just where they where they've been fanning at and where they're you know trying to lock down. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the biggest indication is just seeing those smaller, faster moving fish, mm-hmm. which are going to be the males. Uh-huh. And that's going to, you know, you, you got to watch them and just yeah. see where they keep circling back to. Mm-hmm. Cause that's going to lead you to the female. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So we've talked about finding them. Now let's talk about catching them. So you're out there, you see your bed or, uh, maybe you're still looking for your bed. What do you like, or basically, you know, just how you fishing, uh, you know, what do you throw in, how you throwing it? Uh, just kind of walks through basically your, just your whole process. So a lot of guys like brighter colors mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's age old debate. I think that, you know, is the brighter color going to, you know, is it to aggravate the fish more or is it to make it easier to see your bait? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a mixture of both. You know, I, I've done both, you know, uh, white, white is a big color during spawn because it's just, it's easy to see mm-hmm. for both of you. You know, for you as the angler and for, you know, the fish that you're trying to catch. But you want to find that bed. So first step is finding those males, kind of cruising around because they are a lot easier to see. Find out where the female is at because she's going to be, you know, not far from it. Mm-hmm. I I can't think of a time that I saw a female on a bed, you know, more than three foot away from her bed. Mm. Unless I had been, you know aggravating her enough and chasing her off the bed mm-hmm. you know with a bait uh-huh. or anything like that and there's times that you know those fish depending on the water that you're fishing if it's pressured they're they're going to be wise to it they're going to know exactly what you're doing mm-hmm. and they will not bite and you got to go you know try all kinds of different baits i'm going to go about spawning a little bit differently this year mm-hmm. um you know i they do not want any bluegill near them not only do they feed on bluegill a lot, but bluegill feed on their eggs. Hmm. And bluegill just absolutely piss bass off. <laughs> so I'm going to get those, you know, whether it be a bottom, bottom swim and swim bait uh-huh. or, you know, something suspending uh-huh. or something like that, you know, that I can really just kind of park right over that bed. Yeah. Park over the bed, park on the bed. Anything like that. I mean, jigs, you hear about jigs, you know, the stick baits. Um, you can do all that. You, know, you can put, mm-hmm. you know, a craw on there and catch them. But I want to go about it a little bit differently. I want to try and catch them just a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I want to try and, you know, put a realistic 
bluegill bait on a bed mm-hmm. and, you know, see if that gives me any kind of different success than what I've had in the past by throwing, you know, say a craw mm-hmm. or a wacky rig Senko or a Texas rig Senko, mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. Man, you're, you're singing to the choir right now. You're, I'm going to say you're a little bit above my head. Like, I mean, I've, like I said, I fished a lot, but I've never gotten this technical. So I'm, I'm eating it up. So I'm just going to yeah. keep listening just keep going. So, uh, one thing I had here and you kind of, you mentioned it a little bit earlier is like, uh, when you're fishing these beds, are you trying to finesse it a little bit and kind of put your bait where you want it? Or are you kind of just like trying to be aggressive and kind of get in their face? Well, I think that really depends on, you know, your bait choice. Mm. You know, I think in the past, you know, and like the big thing was always, you know, try and be as subtle as possible. Mm-hmm. Try and be as subtle as possible so you're not spooking that male or that female off the bed. You want to keep them on the bed, mm-hmm. you know, so you want to cast past them. You want to cast past the bed and then bring it on to it, mm-hmm. you know, or if you're going you know, really finessy like a drop shot, you know, even a Ned rig. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people probably fish Ned rigs on beds more so than they want to admit. Yeah. Because that is a very finessy bait and you can just drop it right in there, drop it right on them. And it's not going to cause a lot of disturbance. Mm-hmm. But then if I'm going in with a swim bait and when I say swim bait, I'm talking like something that is going to be, five, six inches or bigger, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to put that past the, past the bed and then I'm going to bring it in hot. Yeah. I'm going to bring it in real aggressive. Hmm. So it's kind of, I think there's no happy medium. Mm-hmm. You've got to be either very technical and finessy with it and, you know, bring it in very subtle or you got to go in hot and you got to go in aggressive. Hmm. So all depending on your, bed. Yeah. So if you're going to, let's say, throw a swim bait out there, let's say, you know, you can see the bed and you can see the female. Are you aiming for the female or are you aiming for the bed to kind of trigger that reaction? If I'm throwing, say, say I'm throwing a glide bait. Mm-hmm. If I'm throwing a glide bait, I'm going to throw it past the bed mm-hmm. and then I'm going to kind of meander it, meander it towards there. And then when I'm getting maybe three or four foot away, I want to try and read her reaction and see if she sees it, if she's, you know, kind of nosing towards it and is getting aggressive, then I'm going to bring it in hot. Mm. And I mean, like kind of like burn it really quick to where it either spooks her and she leaves that bed and then I leave that glide bait over the bed mm-hmm. to where she's going to get so mad and come burning into, you know, chase, chase that bluegill or that bait fish off of there. Mm-hmm. If she's not paying attention to it, I'm just going to meander it in hmm. and then park it on the bed. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I'm always shooting for the bed. You mm-hmm. don't want to shoot for, you know, the fish as much. You want to go for the bed because they are guarding that bed. Hmm. Gotcha. All right. Man, coming up with a lot of questions here. Again, this is all kind of, I wouldn't say it's new yeah. to me. Like, I've heard all this stuff, just not very experienced with it. So, uh, yeah, I, like I said, loving it. Um, so you mentioned, you know, sometimes you got to get that male out of the way. 
is that a strategy to catch the male and try to get him out of the way? Or is that more, you know, you run a chance of spooking the female off if you do that? That, that really is. I mean, that's a, that's a strategy for sure, Mm -hmm. you know, to go in there, like, you know, if you're on a boat and, you know, you have a live well, Mm -hmm. you catch that male, toss him in the live well, you know, get him away to where she knows that she's on her own Mm -hmm. and then she's got to do the job. She's got to do, you know, what the male didn't do in her eyes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So now if you don't have that, mm-hmm. um, say you don't have the boat, you know, or you're fishing the bank or anything like that. I, I don't like to catch, like catch a male or a female and say I'm catching the male. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to run him down the bank and let him loose somewhere down the bank to get him away from that bed. Mm. I'm going to put him right back in there. Mm-hmm. You know, you just stuck a hook in his mouth. Yeah. He's probably not going to come back and bite it again. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to get aggravated. He might pick that up and keep spitting it out, mm-hmm. but you keep putting it on there. And this is where, you know, it can get, if you like the challenge and you just kind of get, I think we all as fishermen get a little bit obsessive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's that challenge that, you know, I got to get that fish to bite. Mm-hmm. I got to make her do it, you know, and it becomes personal. It becomes personal for me at least. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, so you catch that male and you aggravate him enough or you spook him off. And then it's the same deal. You know, the female has to go in and do what, you know, her partner couldn't do. And she's got to get that threat away from her bed, away from her babies. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Uh, Flip side. Let's say you spook the female. Uh, And again, like I've never done this before. Is she mm-hmm. gone for the day? I mean, is it, is it time to give up? Is, will she come back in 10 minutes? What happens then? I think that that is when, you know, if you do spook that female completely off and she leaves that bed, then you need to leave. Mm. Leave, go away, come back to it. You can always come back, mm-hmm. you know, because most likely she'll come back too, but you can always come back. Gotcha. But, you know, going in there and just, you know, it's kind of that fine balance when it comes to spawn fishing is, you know, how much distress do you want to cause that fish? Mm. Do you want that fish, you know, to do what it's supposed to do mm. and make more babies so that we can catch more later down the road or our mm. kids can catch them. Um, I'm a big proponent of, you know, trying to keep the stress level down as much as possible. Mm. And, you know, which some people can say, you know, we'll take the mail off of there and put them in the live. Well, it's just going to stress them out. Mm-hmm. It's really not going to. Mm-hmm. it's not going to do much at all. You know, as long as you stay close by, he's in that live well, it's dark, he's in water. You know he's not in his home, mm-hmm. but he's going to be a lot more calm. And then you just put him right back in there where he can go back to his mate. Mm. But you spook that female to where she's not circling back, you know, within two to three minutes, mm-hmm. move on. Gotcha. Move on and come back to it. Yeah. Hmm. Gotcha. I like it. I like it. Very good advice. Uh, man, I'm trying to think. Uh, I had a question come to mind, and now I can't think of it. Um, <laughs> you kind of mentioned you're uh, going to be doing the um, the uh, bluegill-looking baits. What are some of the more like traditional baits that people throw? Uh, definitely like a Texas rig crawl, mm. creature bait, um, you know, jigs too. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, it's going to be some kind of Texas rig. Um, that's what that's what I think of. Mm-hmm. 
whether it be a Texas rig or a wacky rig, uh, I think a lot of the time it's going to be a Texas rig craw or a creature and then a stick bait. Texas rig, wacky rig, something like that. A lot of guys, you know, will swear by, you know, lizards. Mm-hmm. And again, I really think it depends on, you know, the, the region that you live in. Mm-hmm. You know, with us being down south, craws, craws are huge. Yeah. So, gotcha. you know, and then I think a lot of the time you want to go with not something terribly big. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to stay as natural as possible to make them think that it is real. Yeah. Uh, I got a fun uh, general question that I always like uh, asking fishing guests. Uh, you mm-hmm. get one rod and reel combo. What you going with? For spawn or just uh, in general? Just in general. Uh, you know, like you going medium weight rod, uh, spinning rod or spinning reel versus bait cast. Uh, if you just had oh. to pick one, one for the rest of your life, what would you go with? And it doesn't have to One be like for the rest of my life. Yeah, doesn't have to be brain be, specific. Just you know. Look. Yeah, it would be a uh, seven gear, seven gear ratio bait caster with a uh, heavy power rod. Gotcha, heavy, huh? Interesting. Yep, yep. I'm a heavy power guy. Okay, awesome, awesome. Cool, man. Well, uh, any other random spawn tips or tricks you can think of? Hmm. No, I think the big thing that I would tell your listeners and tell you is, you know, try and do it different than the way it's been done. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty much that we've always been taught, you know, or learned yeah. is, you know, because ever since COVID, I mean, a lot of people have seen it and a lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, some of your listeners may even, you know, picked up fishing, you know, since COVID mm-hmm. and, We've always wanted, you know, attention to the sport, and now we got a lot of attention to the sport. <laughs> so these fish are getting harder to catch because yeah. they're seeing more and more of the bait. Hmm. So you want to go about it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say, you know, like, I'm going to try and do it with swim baits, mm-hmm. or I'm going to go, you know, the complete opposite side of things, and I'm going to pick up that spinning rod. And I'm going to throw a drop shot mm-hmm. in there, or I'm going to throw a Ned rig in there. Um, I'm going to go big, or I'm going to go small. I'm not really going to go in between this year as much. Mm-hmm. I really want to focus on, you know, like I said, trying to figure out if, you know, a swim bait is going to generate more attention and catch me more, or if going the finesse route is going to be, you know, better. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm going to try and do, and that's what I would say, you know, to the listeners is try and do it differently. Mm-hmm. Don't go. I mean, obviously, keep the Texas rig handy, mm-hmm. but try and do something different because we don't get better if we don't challenge ourselves. Yeah. So you know, you got to challenge yourself. You got to do it. You know, something that you're not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And that was that was me all last year. I. uh I kind of got into swim baits a little bit in 2020 mm-hmm. and 2021. I told myself that I was going to focus heavily on swim baits, try and learn as much as I can. And when I'm talking swim baits, I'm talking like big swim baits, mm. you know, two ounce minimum. Mm. I wanted to learn 
everything that I could about, you know, the bigger rods, bigger reels, bigger line. And, you know, what, you know, it's not one size fits all, mm-hmm. you know. So challenging ourselves makes us better anglers. Yeah. So for the spawn, try and do something different. Try and do something other than just, you know, a regular Texas rig or a wacky rig, whatever it may be. But like I said, keep them handy. But try and do it different and just see, you know, if you can master a technique that you were not comfortable with beforehand. I like it. I also think you just told me that uh, I picked the worst time in the world to try to learn fishing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, my my little well, corner of southeast Oklahoma, COVID wasn't too big of a deal, but uh, you know, I'd been dreaming of a boat for a long time and and got one and you know, it's not even a true bass boat. I got a fishing ski so me and the wife can both enjoy it. Uh enjoy it. Yeah. But uh so yeah, but like I said, I've I've been out there and man, I've been struggling. Uh last year took you know, took the boat out several times and it was just a struggle every single time. And you know, I'd be lying if I said the Guggen guys didn't have a little bit for me, you know, kinda getting back into it. And uh man, it just it's fun, you know, and it's something that uh keeps yeah. me going year round. You know, I'm I think I'll probably always be a, a hunter first, but uh I'm just yep. you know, I love being outside. It's a great thing to do in the summer. Um, and I feel like the more I do it, the more I get into it. And I think part of it was probably like you were talking like that challenge, like it's almost frustrating me that I'm not good at it. And that just makes me want to do it more. Yeah. So I think that's a big part I mean, of it. Like, I, I, I kind of put, you know, fishing in the same category as hunting mm-hmm. in my mindset. Like, I mean, you're, you're hunting mm-hmm. these fish, mm-hmm. you know, and not in the same sense, you know, you know, hunting, hunting, Mm -hmm. but you know, you are literally, you know, you're going to where they live Mm -hmm. and you're trying to trick them into messing up. Yep. You know, just like when you're trying to call a deer in, Mm -hmm. you're trying to call in that buck or that doe, you know, Mm -hmm. depending on what your tag is, Mm -hmm. you know, or what you're hunting for, but you are trying to lure that animal in, you know, to where you, you, you know, best them essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love, I love hunting too, mm-hmm. but I'm a fisherman first. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it's because with hunting, when you get that kill, it's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least deer hunting, yeah. you know, yeah, like that's it. Mm-hmm. But when I go catch that fish, I know that I'm not done for the day. I can go catch another <laughs> one. That's true. I can go catch another one, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. So now I guess I would, it would depend on the hunting style, you know, like, so you're in Southeast Oklahoma. Like what, mm-hmm. what lakes are you fishing down there? Um, Hugo, Broken Boak. Uh, I make, I make it over to Texoma quite a bit. Um, yeah, like I said, I kind of follow the Red River. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Broken Bow. I have not been down there yet. I, I want to though. Yeah. I, I, actually, I haven't, I haven't fished it much, much. Uh, you know, if I go there, it's usually taking the family. Um, uh, but I want to for sure. Um, Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Texoma's kind of been my, uh, I guess my goal just cause there's so many species. Um, you know, I've always been infatuated oh, yeah. with, with striper fishing. Um, oh, yeah. and so, uh, it's a little bit of a drive for me, but not too bad. And in my mind kind of worth it just cause I mean, large mouth, small mouth, striper, crappie, like you name it, that lake's got it. And so, um, yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I've never caught a smallmouth. Like I said, I've I've mostly just fished, you know, farm ponds and stuff. So never caught a smallmouth. 
Um, that's a goal. Um, I, I didn't even know until recently uh, that Oklahoma had uh, walleye. And so that's now on the list. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I'm just kind of diving into all of it. Yeah, I actually just got my first one last year. I was at a Sooner, Sooner Lake mm-hmm. and caught one on a jerkbait. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, seems, was, it was wild. Yeah. It seems like most people learn about them on accident. Like, you know, they're fishing for something <laughs> else and just so happen to catch one. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I definitely want to give you a chance to shout out your channel and social media and everything. But uh, any closing words before we get to that point? No, I don't think I have anything, man. Okay. You know, I just like I said, I've been doing this. Um, I guess the biggest thing I can tell people is, you know, don't be afraid to reach out mm-hmm. to me. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I try and. I know I was hard to get a hold of for this and a lot of the time I'm, I'm hard to get a hold of, but you know, when you do, Mm -hmm. I'll always get back to people. Yeah. And the big thing for that was, you know, when I first started out on this, you know, I tried to reach out to people is I never really got, you know, any, any responses Mm -hmm. from, you know, the bigger, the bigger guys. Mm -hmm. And I always told myself I would not, uh, I wouldn't forget my roots. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. forget how I started and I wouldn't forget, you know, how it felt when I reached out to somebody and asked them for, you know, advice on something mm-hmm. and just never getting a response. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the big thing I can tell people and, you know, anybody that's listening or anything like that, like I, I was in the army on prior service. I was airborne infantry, mm-hmm. um, got love for that. And I've been pretty blessed. I'll be able to, you know, I'm getting involved in, you know, some veterans tournaments this year. Uh, there's one coming up in, in May. I think that I'm doing, um, it's down in Texas. Mm-hmm. So, and it is, it's called, uh, Lakeside Hero Fishing Tournament. That's going to be at Westlake Park at Lake Louisville. Very so, cool. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah. My, uh, man, I, I'm afraid, almost afraid to tell you cause I don't know all the details, but my brother was also airborne. He got out, uh, I think it's been five years ago now. He was in for about eight years, and so that's really cool. And thank you for your service. Where was, yeah, where was he stationed at? Oh, see, that's why I knew you were going to start asking me this question. Uh, he was well, uh, he was in uh, Vincenza, Italy for a while, and then uh, in okay. Germany for uh, like two years. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's he's been around a little bit. Vincenza, those are some uh, – that's a bad unit, man. They <laughs> yeah. do – they do some work. They and, do. You know, I, I was, uh, I was stationed in Alaska, mm. Fort Rich, uh-huh. and uh, a couple of my buddies I served with, you know, they were there with 173rd. That's Vincennes, anyway. Right. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good unit. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah, we're we're pretty proud of them, and uh, like I said, I really appreciate your service and all the other veterans. And so, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you coming on. And like I said, real quick, why don't you tell everybody, you know, where they can find you, all your social media and YouTube and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's Oklahoma's Worst Angler on Instagram, YouTube, and occasionally TikTok. But <laughs> most of the time, it's, most of the time it's just YouTube, gotcha. you know, and I do, I do everything on mm-hmm. my channel. I, I go out and fish for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just... uh I got. I have a series that you know people seem to really enjoy. I call it Trash or Pass, mm-hmm. and it's where I just I take a bait and I go out and I go fish it, 
and give people my feedback, you know, from, you know, after fishing it for a little while and tell people, you know, if I think it's a trash bait mm-hmm. or if it passes, you know, and there's very few, very few trash baits that I've used. And it's mainly because it's ones that I, I want to test out and mm-hmm. I want to check out. And a lot of them are kind of off the wall baits, baits, you know, that people may have never heard of. Uh-huh. Some of them are, you know, very popular baits too. Gotcha. So that's uh that's what i do you know awesome. fish for fun mm-hmm. try and educate a little bit and uh yeah and then film for john Sokup now and mm-hmm. film for monster bass too nice. i'm getting uh i mean the goal is to go full-time yeah full-time film you know yeah. whether it be you know just me or for you know other people as well but mm-hmm. that is that's the goal awesome Man, it's a great goal. I hope this helps you get one step closer. Um, you know, I'm definitely gonna be shouting you out. I hope people go uh, go and look up your stuff. And man, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. I really enjoyed it. I really appreciate it, man. Mm-hmm. All righty, man. Well, I uh, I will talk to you later. And thanks again for coming on. All right, sounds good. Good luck this year. Thank you. And that's a wrap on the first fishing episode of the year. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Alex, for coming on. Uh, didn't I tell you guys he was a great guy? Man, please go out there and support him. Uh, like him on social media. Check out his YouTube channel, Oklahoma's Worst Angler. Uh, just an awesome guy and a knowledgeable guy and a passionate guy. So please go and check out his channels. Uh, I got a few last-minute announcements here before I let you guys go. Uh, just another reminder about the Backwoods Show, March 4th through 6th, Oklahoma City. I'm going to be there with a booth. Bring your wallet. I'm going to have shirts and hats. I got the uh, shipping notification on the hats, so I'm going to have both of those for sale. And then, uh, again, like not uh, affiliated with it, but Total Archery Challenge is coming to Broken Bow April 1st through 3rd. And uh, again, I'm going to be there. I'm not sure in what capacity yet. I'm not sure if I'm going to go hang out. I'm not sure if I'm going to shoot uh, or what the deal is. I've been talking to a couple of my buddies, trying to get a group together. Um, but I think, like I said, worst case, I'm at least just going to be there and be around and be hanging out. So if anybody's uh, coming to that, hit me up. Let me know. Uh, maybe let's go get some pizza. I love Grateful Head in Broken Bow or Hochetown, whichever one it is, Hochetown. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to be there. Come shoot your bow, come hike around, come fish, whatever it is. Broken Bow, Oklahoma, Backwoods Show. I think that's all I got for you guys this week. So, like I said, I'm going to be hanging out with the wife this weekend, and then the following weekend, I am jumping in head first. Habitat, fishing, uh, varmint hunting, who knows what else I'm going to get into. So, thank you guys for listening once again. I really appreciate it. And until next week, I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast.